Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. Happy New Year, everyone! If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's January 1st, 2015. And, like many of you, I have a brand new calendar hanging on my wall. It features a bunch of music posters, and the 31 days of January are laid out in basically neat rows. Except for the first three days of January, which are on a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday. It's kind of just there, like an extraneous little appendix thing, but the rest of the month, nice, neat rows. The calendar that we use now, the Gregorian, was pretty long in the making. But it's by no means the only type of calendar out there, and compared to a few others, the Gregorian is downright unambitious. All the Gregorian really tries to do is keep track of time. That's it. Which is good, pretty much. But today I want to get into some calendars that attempted to do much more than that. But first, general background. Probably the simplest and most intuitive type of calendar that you can make is a lunar one. The moon is a big, obvious sky thing that everyone can see and keep track of, and marking the days between the full moons, or if you want to be kind of pessimistic, the no moons, is pretty easy for anyone with a pair of eyes and access to the sky. However, the moon's phases don't perfectly match up with the Earth's rotation and axial tilt. The various celestial bodies that we reside on and can look at have not obliged us with perfectly regular space orbit activity, so festivals, holidays, and other stuff on a lunar calendar will jump around. That's why Ramadan on the Islamic lunar calendar happens during different times of the year throughout the year. So, a lunar calendar... It's easy, it's intuitive, but it's not optimal. A solar calendar, which tracks the position of the sun relative to the Earth throughout the year, is far more accurate. Uh, the first really good solar calendar that we know of was designed by the ancient Egyptians. Uh, that calendar had 12 30-day months, which gave them 360 days a year, and then five extra days, which were just sort of attached to the year like some weird little time appendix. Um, by the way, a lot of calendars have done that, uh, to make up for the fact that a trip around the sun is not easily divisible into equal weeks or months. Uh, lots of calendars, like the Egyptian that I mentioned, and later on, some early Roman calendars, have these extraneous little bits that aren't really the part of any one month or even year. Um, I kind of dig this. Uh, I sort of like the idea of having a few days that aren't here, they aren't there, they're just floating in space on their own. I kind of wish we still had that. It would be a good time to have weird holidays. And it makes just as much sense as making February shorter than every other month. But the current version of the calendar, with the various months and such that we have right now, was mostly implemented by Julius Caesar. Then later on, in 1582, Pope Gregorian XIII, he tweaked the leap year math of the Julian calendar and that gave us our modern Gregorian calendar. But you're probably familiar with all of this. Today, I want to talk about two calendars that set out not just to mark time and keep track of holidays, but also to completely revamp the lives of the citizens who lived under them. Uh, the first is the Soviet calendar. And, oh boy, is this one complicated. Prior to the revolution, Tsarist Russia still used the Julian calendar the unrevised, non-Gregorian one, which made Tsarist Russia not only sort of feudal and backward, but also 
calendrically out of sync with the rest of Europe and the industrialized world. A funny side effect of that is that the vaunted and often talked about October Revolution, uh, it took place in November. But calling a submarine movie The Hunt for Red November just doesn't have the same ring to it. So, post-revolutionary Russia. Tsar's gone. Government's overthrown. Autocracy is done with. They're reforming things left and right. Burning things left and right. And the Bolsheviks, they didn't just update the calendar. They made a whole new calendar that attempted to control the work schedule of every single worker in the new Soviet Union. Uh, the Soviet calendar, sort of surprisingly, is colorful. Like, literally colorful. The calendar looks like a sort of gaudy patchwork quilt or motley. Uh, the months, they're divided up into five-day work weeks, and each day on the calendar was colored either blue, purple, yellow, red, or green. Every worker in the Soviet Union, they were assigned a color that corresponded to their day off. So, if you were assigned red, you got all the red days off. If you were assigned purple, you got the purple days off, etc. There were also a few national holidays, like May 1st. Uh, yeah, that would be International Workers' Day, which a lot of people still like to march on and do stuff on today. And also November 7th. November 7th being the anniversary of the October Revolution. Uh, there were those in there, but mostly... Your day of rest was when your color came up. Uh, the Soviet calendar went through a few revisions throughout the years. The weeks were eventually stretched out to six days long, and some holidays were shuffled about, but the core function remained the same. The Soviet calendar was a means of social and economic control. The work weeks embedded within the calendar were designed in the hope that about 80% of the USSR's population would be at work at any given time so that at no point would the factories and fields not have productive workers humming along in them doing productive Soviet worker stuff. The calendar also made industry and the state the center of everything, rather than culture or tradition or religion. Now, when I was researching this, I found out that many Russians still recognize unofficial holidays like Christmas during the Soviet regime. In fact, the Soviet version of Santa Claus is a guy called Father Frost. He basically looks like Santa Claus, uh, but people couldn't necessarily expect a day off on those pre-existing traditional holidays. The calendar and the days that were celebrated were all about the regime, the state, industry, and how awesome it was to have factories. It didn't last, though. The calendar, which tried to keep about 80% of the population at work and doing things uh, pretty much every day, uh, one of its major problems was it left no downtime for industrial maintenance. Also, it tried to cycle in workers um, pretty generically into different positions. Uh, imagine going to work, and you sit down at your workstation or desk or what have you, and it's set up the way you like it, the way that you can be productive, and you find out that your stuff is in different places. Somebody has changed a setting on your thing or your equipment. Uh, suddenly you can't be productive anymore. And that's what happened under this early Soviet system, with workers just coming into different positions all the time, and then somebody else was at their workstation and had messed with it. So you couldn't have expertise, you couldn't really have routinization. It was working counter to what it was supposed to do. Uh, in 1940, 
the Soviet Union threw out its new revolutionary calendar and adopted a Gregorian calendar along with the rest of the world. At long last, Russia would be on the same page, literally, with everyone else when they came to deciding what day of the week it was. The factories in the communist fervor were still there, of course, but it was no longer written into the map of time that hung on everyone's wall. Even more extreme than the Soviet calendar, though, was the French Republican calendar. You know the metric system. It's that thing with kilograms and meters that everyone but the U.S. uses. That dates back to the French Revolution, when radicals wanted to wipe away anything and everything about the previous regime. And I do mean everything. During some of the more heady parts of the French Revolution, it wasn't just about swapping out an aristocratic monarchy for a republic, it was about the wholesale reinvention of an entire society, including the units and measurements that that society would use. The French radicals, they were all about making things sensical, regular, and, this is important, divisible by ten. That included the calendar and the time of day. The French Republican calendar, it got rid of any reference to things like the monarchy, saints' days, church holidays, etc. You know, things that referenced the institutions that the revolution had just overthrown. The months, they started in the fall, for some reason, and they all had names relating to things like the weather. They were, roughly translated, grape harvest, fog, frost, snowy, rainy, windy, germination, flower, pasture, harvest, summer heat, and fruit. They sound way better in French. But, anyways, it also jettisoned the 24-hour day and a 12-hour clock. Instead, a day, that would be an even 10 hours long. Each hour would be 100 minutes long, and each minute 100 seconds. It was metric time. It was decimal time. And that meant that an hour in Republican France was actually 144 actual minutes long, and a minute was 86.4 actual real seconds long, and a second was only 0.864 conventional seconds long. So, so much for saying one Mississippi, two Mississippi, etc. as a way of counting seconds. France used this calendar for 12 years, from 1793 to 1805. Other innovations from this time period, like the kilogram, have persisted. The calendar hasn't. And I gotta say... I love the French Republican calendar, even though it's ridiculous. Actually, I love it because it's ridiculous. I love how it attempts to impose order on something that's disorderly. I love how it attempts to make everything divisible by ten. I love how hopeless and idealistic it all is. The desire to make everything orderly, to make all the days fit like even squares together on the page of a calendar, that persists. Unlike the Soviet calendar, the French Republican calendar... It kind of has descendants. Other different calendars have also tried to make the days regular. Maybe not 10-hour days in 100-minute hours, but they still look for regularity where regularity is elusive. There are efforts like the Hanky Henry Permanent Calendar, which has the same days of the week fall on the same date every year. So January 1st, that is a Sunday, every single year or Symmetry 454, which divides the year into four equal seasonal chunks and starts every month on a Monday. I love the copy from Symmetry 454's website. 
It reads as follows. Each consecutive Gregorian year starts on a different weekday. This is the most serious deficiency of the Gregorian calendar. By the way, that is the website having it in bold, not just me shouting it. They go on. If it were impossible to correct this deficiency by adopting a perpetual perennial calendar reform, then we wouldn't care about the rest of this list. They list a whole bunch of reasons why calendar reform is necessary, according to them. This deficiency causes the dates and holidays and events to shift. Those that fall on a fixed day number in a month fall on a different weekday. Those that fall on the nth occurrence of a specified weekday in a month fall on a different day number. These shifts compel organizations such as governments, businesses, industries, and academic institutions to consume vast amounts of time, energy, and paper rescheduling annual recurring events just because of the changing weekday date relationships. Even monthly recurring events are cumbersome to schedule. Now, personally, I sort of like that some unofficial holidays jump around to days of the week. For instance, I love it when Halloween is in the middle of the week. That means that the weekend before, you have Halloween parties. Then if Halloween is on a Wednesday, you have more Halloween parties. That's great. And if Halloween is on a Saturday, big Halloween party. You get the idea. It doesn't bother me, but it obviously bothers some people. And these calendars which attempt to fix the little irregularities of the Gregorian calendar, the modern calendar, like the French Republican calendar, they embody a sort of Quixotic idealism that I love even though I don't want to actually use. Days and seasons shift, and the earth refuses to cooperate. A year, a real, actual year, is 365.2425 days long. That's a number that gleefully defies easy division, and yet, the desire for perfect order persists. We will probably never get a calendar that is regular, symmetrical, and predictable. Calendars will probably all have extra days and uneven months. They'll have leap days, leap seconds, and weeks that begin in one year and end in another. Making it regular, making it divisible by ten, writing your work weeks and industrial schedules into the calendar, something that can only hope to map chaos. That is a fool's errand, albeit kind of a romantic one. The earth will move, time will progress, and we can only hope to keep track as best we can. Something very exciting about today's episode is that it's the first episode that I have recorded with my new pop filter, which I got myself for Christmas. I do hope it makes a difference in the sound quality. Um, if you like us and you like the sound quality, go to facebook.com slash interesting times with Joe Streckert and click the like button. Um, that's where I announce lots of new episodes, post other things. And if you want to contact me there, you can contact me there. Uh, you can also contact me on Twitter at Joe Streckert or the website interestingtimespodcast.com. Uh, on interestingtimespodcast.com, we have notes on all the shows and in particular, this week, I would encourage you to go there because I have linked to some of the websites of the calendars that I've talked about and really have to look at the calendars to get a sense of what they were all about. So even if you haven't checked out the site before today, check it out today so you can get greater context and literally better picture about what I was talking about. We are on iTunes. 
Uh, search for interesting times in the iTunes store. Give us a rating. Give us a review. That helps other people discover the show. And I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.